Section three of What the Mother of a Deaf Child Ought to Know by John Dutton Wright. Containing Chapter eight Further Tests of Hearing. Chapter nine The Development of Residual Hearing. And Chapter ten Developing the Power of Lip Reading. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter eight Further Tests of Hearing but as soon as the mother finds her little child sufficiently mature to benefit by the sense training described above whether it be at twenty or as is more likely at from twenty-four to thirty months she can begin to make a more complete and accurate determination of the degree of his deafness for now she can establish a system of responses on the part of the child that will show her when he perceives the sounds she uses in her tests in order to be certain that the little one knows what she wishes of him she must begin with some sensation that she is sure he feels we will assume he has as yet no speech and cannot count at least does not know the names of the numbers let the mother pat him once on the shoulder and then cause him to hold up one of his little fingers then pat him twice and make him hold up two fingers then three times and have him put up three fingers now return to one pat and one finger repeat two pats and the holding up of two of his fingers and three pats and three fingers go over and over this little game until he has grasped the idea and will hold up as many fingers as he feels pats simple as the idea seems it will often take a bright child some time to realize what you want him to do but you are sure that he fills the pads, whereas if you began at once with sounds, you could not know whether his failure to respond was because he did not hear, or through not understanding what you expected of him. He will weary of the exercise soon, and then mother may as well turn to something else till he has rested. Having established this system of response, on his part, to sensations perceived, it is not difficult to shift from the number of pads to the number of times he hears a noise. This, once accomplished, Tests can be made with sounds of different kinds, different pitch, and different volume, varying the distance, the instruments, and the vowel when the articulate sounds are reached. He can be shown a whistle, then, when it is blown behind his back, he will hold up as many fingers as the times it was blown, if he perceives the sound. He can be asked to distinguish between a whistle, a little bell, and the clapping of the hands. When he is successful in that, the vowel sounds may be uttered, not far from his ear, but behind him. Begin with ah, as this is the most open and strongest. Then try oh, which is not easily confused with ah. Then e, if after a time a distance and a degree of loudness are found that enable him to recognize these sounds with unfailing accuracy, or at least ninety per cent of the time, then other sounds can be added, such as all, ah as in hat, i as in ice, oo as in cool ow as in owl using these sounds at different pitches and with different intensities and distances a sufficiently accurate estimate can be formed of the degree of his hearing power so far as his present needs are concerned chapter nine the development of residual hearing if any ability to perceive sounds is found every effort should be made to lead the child to use it and as the most essential use of hearing is in the comprehension of spoken language, the principal effort should be made along that line. Take three objects, the name of which are short, with the principal vowels quite easily distinguished. A little toy street car, a cap, and a toy ship would do nicely to begin with, as the three words car, cap, and ship 
are not easily confused. Place two of the objects before him, the car and the ship, and speak the name of one of them. Car, we will say loudly and distinctly close to his ear, but in such a way that he cannot see your mouth. Then show him the car. Repeat it with sheep, and show him the sheep. Repeat car, and take his little hand, put it on the car. Then sheep, and make him put his hand on the sheep. Continue this process until he will indicate to you the object you name. When he makes only occasional mistakes with two objects, add the cap. When he can get the right one about 90% of the time, then take three new words, returning occasionally to the first three. Very soon his own name and those of others, with photographs to enable him to indicate which, will prove of interest to him. When he has successfully learned to distinguish a few single words, a beginning can be made on short sentences. Commands that he can execute are convenient. Shut your eyes, open your mouth, clap your hands, can follow drill on the three words, eyes, mouth, hands. Open the window, shut the window, open the book, shut the book, open the door, and so on. Stand up, sit down. When this beginning has been made, the road is open to the gradual increase in a hearing vocabulary, but do not attempt so much at once as to confuse and discourage the child. The suggestions already made should be studiously followed throughout his whole childhood. If his hearing is not too seriously impaired, he will begin to attempt to imitate spoken sounds by the time he is twenty-four to thirty months old. But his ability to imitate sounds is not an accurate measure of his ability to hear. He may perceive the sounds much better than he is able to reproduce them. Distinct utterance comes slowly to the child with normal hearing, and still more slowly and imperfectly to the child whose hearing is not good. But the continued effort to make him hear words and sentences is a very valuable exercise for him, and should be faithfully continued till he is old enough to respond to the tests of hearing as outlined, and it has been definitely proved that he cannot possibly tell whether a ah or o oh or e is said, no matter how loud or how near the ear the sound is uttered. The question will naturally arise as to whether the child's hearing of speech can be aided by an electric or mechanical device. When it is possible to make the child perceive the sound of the vowels with the unaided voice uttered very near the ear, I believe it to be better, at first, not to interpose any artificial device. But I have found that sometimes in cases where the sound perception was not at first sufficient to enable the child to distinguish even the most dissimilar vowel sounds, although uttered loudly close to the ear, I could awaken the attention of the child to sound and stimulate the dormant power by the use of an acousticon. After a few months I have been able to dispense with the instrument and use only the unaided voice at close range. Later, when some vocabulary has been acquired through these auricular exercises, it is often desirable to return to the acousticon and teach the child to use it in order to extend the distance at which sounds can be heard. By the use of the acousticon, it then becomes possible to communicate by means of the ear without speaking at such short range. It is not easy, however, to induce a child to use an acousticon at all times, whereas an adult will take the time and trouble necessary to become accustomed to the instrument and will put up with slight inconveniences inseparable from its use. Chapter 10. Developing the Power of Lip-Reading 
in this effort to develop the hearing however the necessity must not be forgotten of also training the brain to associate ideas with what the eye sees on the lips when words are spoken in the case of the very slightly deaf child this visual training is not quite so important as the auricular training but when there is much deafness it is the more important of the two the comprehension of much language can be given to the little deaf child by constantly talking just as any mother does to her hearing baby only being always careful to take a position facing the main source of light which should come from behind the child the hearing child arrives at the association of meaning with the sounds of words only after very many repetitions how often must the child hear mamma look at mamma see here is mamma mamma is coming mamma is here where is mamma do you love mamma mamma loves baby and so on from morning to night day after day week after week the mother does it for pleasure to play with and pet the dear baby she does not think of it as a teaching exercise but it is a very important one the deaf baby will learn gradually to associate a meaning with the various sequences of movement of the lips if a little care is taken to watch his eyes and to speak when they are directed toward the speaker and to stand in such relation to the light that it falls upon the speaker's face the speech should be the same as to the hearing child but it takes a little more care and watchfulness to have the deaf child see the same word or phrase as many times as the hearing child hears it if it is spoken when the baby is not looking it does not help when the little one is learning to walk the mother says come to mamma go to daddy and gradually he learns come and go she has him play hide-and-seek with another child and she says where is tom where is the baby's mouth where is the baby's nose and so on and by and by he knows where and mouth and nose and the names of his playmates or brothers and sisters when he is sitting on the floor she picks him up saying up when she puts him from her lap to the floor she says down if he is naughty she says naughty and perhaps spats his little hands and so on through the day a little care on her part a little added thought and watchfulness perhaps a few more repetitions and little by little she will find her deaf baby learning to look at her always and to understand much that is said to him she must all this time remember also that the shades of feeling pleasure disappointment approval disapproval doubt certainty love anger joy which are largely conveyed to the hearing child by intonation of voice must be conveyed to the deaf baby by facial expression and manner they become very keen at interpreting moods by the look let the face be sunny and kind and interested if possible the first indication of impatience of being bored and weary will destroy much of one's influence with a deaf child sometimes it is harder to disguise one's feelings in the face than in the voice do not be caught unawares interest cheerfulness and patience are tremendous forces to help the little deaf child someone has said quote, when you consent consent cordially when you refuse refuse finally when you punish punish good-naturedly end of section three